here this morning, Lord. Father, your word says that the spirit of grace is your presence. In Zechariah 2.10, it says you have poured out on us the spirit of grace. That is your presence. And the psalmist David in, in Psalms 139, he says, Where can I go that you are not with me? If I go all the way up to the mountains, you're there. If I go all the way down into the valleys, you are there. You're with me always. Always. Father, we acknowledge your spirit of grace this morning. And we receive it. We receive it. There is nothing we can do to earn God's grace. You just have to receive it. It's a gift. His presence is a gift. This gift of grace is available to you if you'll just acknowledge his presence and how much he wants to be a part of your life. He doesn't want to be a part. I just heard the Holy Spirit say that. I don't want to be a part. I want to be their whole life. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We can stay here all morning. (laughs) We can just stay in his presence all morning. Give the worship team a hand. Didn't they do amazing? Oh, glory to God. Have you all had a good time this morning? I mean, there's nothing better. Girlfriends, God, (laughs) his presence, biscuits and gravy. Come on. I mean, it just does not get better. (sighs) Well, I have the honor and the privilege to introduce someone to you this morning that is so full of grace, so gracious. She is an amazing mother. She is an amazing daughter and sister and wife. Um, I've known her heart for several years, and I know she has a heart that longs to please God in everything that she does, and it's evident in the fruit. It's evident in her life that that she she seeks him out to be a part of her life, to be her life. And he's transformed her and she's just glorious. So I want to introduce Heather, Heather Johnson. Thank you. I'm going to leave the pretty glass for you and bring my bottled water just in case. Okay. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Y'all are beautiful. It's so pretty in here. Y'all did a good job. Whomever, and they were cooking. Did y'all know that Pastor and them, they actually cooked this for y'all? It wasn't catered, they actually cooked. I mean, give Pastor and them a hand for that. Yes. Thank y'all. Worship team, thank y'all. Um, Trey and I travel all over the world. Um, I guess it is the world now. Um, and worship is not like this everywhere. And Y'all are a very, we, this is my church too, even though I'm not here a lot, this is still my church, this is where I'm planted, this is where it all began for me. Um, but y'all bring the presence of the Lord, and it's so refreshing to enter in, because it's not like that everywhere, and sometimes you're just like, oh, 
bless these people's hearts like they don't know what it's like. So thank you for loving God. Thank you for being obedient. Thank you for hearing and obeying quickly and quietly. Quickly and quietly. I'm training my daughter. Obey quickly and quietly. Helps you hear the father. Um, My mother's here. Mom, raise your hand. And my baby, Chloe, she's here too. Um, I, uh, I was, when I get into this, you're going to, uh, I put my mother through, uh, well, actually everybody, when you hear my story, you're going to uh, realize what I'm saying, but I've put my mother through a living hell. Um, and it was only by her prayers um, and my grandmother's prayers that I've made it out of where I came from. And, uh, so I'm thankful, and it's an honor to stand here. I, I don't take it lightly. Um, Dr. Savell preaches from this. <laughs> Mama Savelle preaches from here, and to know where I've come from and to where the Lord has brought me, um, it's overwhelming. And is that me? Is it my hair? Or do I just keep going and it'll work out? Okay, because I'm still new to this, so when it starts happening, I think it's me, and I'm like... Okay, good. I'm just going to keep going. Y'all just work with me. Um, so it's an honor and a privilege to stand here, and I don't take it lightly. And um, Pastor Rick told me once, I remember when they had the chair up there, um, and Pastor Rick told me, he said, sit in that chair. And when I sat in that chair, I heard the Lord told, tell me, get a vision. And I was like, okay. Um, and I do have a vision, and I don't share it with people because it's between me and the Lord. Um, but it's bigger than I can Right? So the, the words the Lord gave me was redemption by grace. And I tried to uh, make a, gra- a grace message. But there are a lot of twisted messages about grace. And grace is not the empowerment to sin. Grace is not the empowerment to go out and live however you want to live and say, Oh, I, I love Jesus. And he, there's a grace on my life to do this. No, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. And, and, and it's a lie. It will get you nowhere. Amen. There are consequences to sin. There are consequences to going against the will of God for your life. Um, and so it's, it's very important that you understand grace is not saying, live however you want to live. And there's, you know, God, it's going to be okay. Just ask for forgiveness. No, that's, that's a lie. I mean, yes, you can ask for forgiveness, but you can't just live any kind of way. It's not going to work out for you. Um, redemption by grace. So I, I want to tell you what redemption is. Because sometimes we hear it and we're like, yeah, we know what redemption is. But do you really know what redemption is? Do you know what the definition says? Do you know what the word says? Do you know what the Bible says about it? Um, so... I'm going to give you some definitions and then I'll get in and we'll go from there. So redemption is the act of saving or being saved from sin. The action of regaining, gaining possession of something in exchange for payment. Saving, freeing from sin, vindication, recovery, repossession, regaining something that was lost. The action of buying one's freedom. Redemption. So keep that in mind the further I go into this story. So redemption is going from bondage to sin to freedom through a new life in Jesus. Right? Jesus is freedom. Chains break. Bondage is obliterated. Right? Yes. So redeem means to obtain the release or restoration from captivity. To deliver from sin and its consequences by means of a sacrifice offered for the sinner. Means to buy back. Take it back, right? Grace. There's 17 different definitions of grace according to Brother Copeland. I'm not going to go through them all for Tom's sake. 
But in a summary, grace means a manifestation of God's power, the effective working of his power, the work of God, the anointing of God is the grace of God. So to sum it up by Trey Johnson, (laughs) grace is God's supernatural ability extended towards us for us to walk in relationship with him. It's an empowerment to walk out the word of God in your life. Right? All right. So keep that in mind as I speak this. <laughs> and tell your faces it's going to be okay because it's kind of a shocker. Some of this can be a shocker. I was giving my testimony at a church in Oklahoma at the beginning of the year, and I look over, and this lady's like, <laughs> I'm like, shut your mouth. It's going to be okay. Like, I'm standing here. I survived. It's going to be okay. And she's like, and then I had this one guy come up to me afterwards, and he's like examining me. What are you doing? And he's like, is it really true? Because you don't look like that. No, the grace of God has restored me. And I don't look like what I'm fixing to tell you. Yes, and redeemed me. Yes, ma'am. So it all began back when I was eight years old. My parents divorced when I was eight. My dad was gone. Um, Typical, what I considered a typical man. Um, Thank you, Lord, for Trey showing me that that is not what a real man is like. Um, Trey is a very present father. He's very real. He's very loving. He's very kind. He's a man of his word. He does what he says. He is who you see here. Um, My dad was not that. Um, I do have a relationship with my dad now, kind of, if I try. (laughs) Um, But either way, he loves me. And if he didn't have his own stuff going on and didn't know how to get out of his own stuff, I'm sure he'd be a better dad, right? Because you don't do it intentionally, right? Right. So um, my mom had to travel a lot. She had to take care of me and my brother. And uh, my mom is very anointed and gifted in business um, in a man's world. And so that required her to be gone a lot. So I felt like my brother was my baby and I raised my brother is what I felt like. Um, both my parents partied um, during their divorce. There was a small time where they were divorced. They're both remarried now. Um, but there was that time in between, you know, the, their marriage and their next marriage where they partied. And I was like, well, that looks like fun. And I don't mean drugs. So please hear me. I don't mean drugs. Drugs were never okay in my family. My mom drank wine. And when I say she drank wine, she like had one or two glasses. And she wasn't the one that got drunk and hammered. It was everybody else. But that looked fun. And her being reserved, I was like, like that's not fun. Why are you, you know, so I didn't want to be like that necessarily. I wanted to have fun. My dad was, a, you know, the cowboys sitting around the campfire playing the guitar, drinking beer, you know, sometimes whiskey, but mainly just beer. So that, when I say party, that's the picture of the party I'm talking about. I'm not talking about drugs. I'm not talking about all the other stuff. Okay, so, and then me saying that about, because my mom had this best friend at the time, and, and I want you mothers, daughters, Soon to be, could possibly be at some point, mamas, listen to what I'm saying here. Very important, the people that you let into your kids' lives, the people that you have around your kids, that influence your kids, the seeds that they plant in your kids, even though they're not, like my mom's best friend was not my mom, but she implanted seeds into me. And I saw all this and I'm like, I want to be like that. And that didn't work out so well for me for a while. Um, So mamas, be mindful of who you let sow into your kids' lives. Yes. Yes. So, um, we went to church, not really consistently. I mean, you know, I went to vacation Bible school. I did stuff like that. And we were raised Baptist. 
uh, my granny. Thank you, Lord, for praying, grandmothers. My grandmother, yes, my grandmother is the one that taught me about Jesus, really. She would read the Bible to me every night when I would stay with her, you know, on my dad's weekends. And she would just sow the word into us, sow the word into us, sow the word into us. And everything that I knew up until probably my 30s came from my granny reading the Bible to me, talking to me about Jesus, the love of God. And so I'm very thankful for that. So grandmothers, mothers, sisters, be mindful of what you sow into your nieces and your nephews. Because God will work with those seeds. They're eternal. They're eternal. Yes. So, um, as women of God, we need a purpose in ourselves to be women of our word. To do what's right. Do it because it's right. Not say one thing and do another. Not come to church on Sunday and then be in the bar the very night's night. Now, if I'm calling your number and I'm talking directly to you, just look straight ahead. Nobody's going to know. And don't have poopy face, you know, like, don't, that's poopy face. Don't do that because then people know that, oh, she might be talking about you because, I mean, right? Right. But I see it a lot. I see women, oh, I love Jesus, hallelujah. And then I see them in the bar. Then I see them drinking. Then I see one man. Then I see another man. And I see their kids seeing all of that. Are you seeing? Yeah. Okay, so be mindful of what you sow into your kids. Again, it's very important. So at the age of 14, I started stealing my mama's wine. At 15, I started smoking cigarettes. Then I started smoking pot. At 16, I started using cocaine pretty much every weekend, very quickly. At 17, I was drinking, using cocaine, smoking pot, LSD almost every single weekend. And then that led to doing it during the week. Then that led to affecting my athletics because I was very gifted in running. Um, I played basketball, but running was my thing. I was really good, but you can't run when your heart's pounding out of your chest because of drugs, right? So that didn't work out so well. So by the time I was 18, I dropped out of high school using methamphetamines every single day. Um, left my mother's house. Stayed high on meth for like two years. Um, people started dying. People started going to jail. People started going to prison. Um, myself went to jail several different times through all of that. Finally, I got to the point where I was like, okay, so these people are dead, these people are in jail, these people are waiting to go to prison, there's only a few of us left, like, all right, Lord, my mom, of course, chasing me around town, all these places, you know, leaving notes on my car, like, and I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> exactly, right? And, and um, finally, I was like, okay, so I went to the Heaven's Gates, Hell's Fury, have y'all ever heard of that? Okay. Well, so it was really amazing. I went and um, it was there in the Coliseum in San Angelo. And I remember watching this and I was like, oh my gosh, like if I died tonight, I would go to hell. Like I knew about Jesus my whole life, but never had that moment. Like my brother got baptized when we were little. And I remember the preacher came and he drew this picture and he talked to Heath about, you know, the bridge, like here, here, here. And now you're with Jesus. And I remember when I had no desire to do that. When I watched all of this unfold up there, I'm thinking... I will die, I will go to hell, and that is not what I want. Like, you don't go to heaven for being a good person. You go to heaven because you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There's only one way to heaven. One way. Right. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I got saved that night. Two weeks later, I got baptized in the lake there in San Angelo. It was a really cool experience. Not everybody gets to be baptized in a lake. It was really cool. 
Um, I would like to tell you that things changed in my life dramatically. They did not. Um, Nobody told me that, nobody taught me how to renew my mind. Nobody told me, okay, you need to not hang out with these people anymore and you need to start living for God. Like you need to draw a line in the sand and you need to go this way. Nobody told me that. It was just like, woohoo, okay, you're going to heaven. So, and then we keep on. I would go to church, you know, my mom would like call all the time, bang it on the door, come to church, come to church. And I would go sometimes and she'd be like, seriously, Heather, you smell like alcohol. Well, at least I'm here. (laughs) You know, and I wonder how many other people could smell me because, you know, there were long nights. It was horrible. Um, I had several different, well, I had mainly one abusive relationship from this guy that I dated from about seventh grade till my late 20s on and off. And I'm telling you this because sometimes us as women, we think that we can love somebody enough to change them when ultimately it's them that needs changing. It's them that need to know who they are in Christ. You can't love somebody enough to change them. You can pray for them and that will change their heart and direct them towards the Lord. But you can't love somebody enough to change them, right? So in this abusive relationship, I mean, I have pretty scars on my eye. I've had to have knee surgery. My eardrums got busted. I mean, it was horrible. So I've been in that deep, dark place, too, trying to get out, trying to get out. I finally left San Angelo. I'm getting away from these people. It's these people. It's this town. I'm leaving. I moved to Fort Worth, and what do you think I find? The same kind of people. <laughs> because it's me, right? you got to change in here because you're attracted to that, right? Until you make that heart change. I mean, you're going to be drawn to the same kind of stuff. Six months later, after moving up to Fort Worth, I ended up on heroin. Six months later, I was in my first treatment center, detoxing off of heroin. I would go to four different treatment centers. Well, they're detox centers. They're not really treatment centers. Then I would um, get arrested with heroin, cocaine, pills, and marijuana. And in Johnson County, and Johnson County doesn't play, in case any of you were wondering, they don't play. (laughs) So during that time, I, uh, I served six months of overnights where I had to go turn myself in every single night and then stay there on the weekends. I went and I found this attorney and by the grace of God, he was a recovered alcoholic that said, honey, you need Jesus. He said, you need God and you need to know the truth. And he sent me to a, a treatment center in Palmetto, Louisiana. I think that was the name of the town. No, Palmetto was the name of the place. Rayville, Louisiana was the place of the town. Um, I only got to stay there for 30 days because my parents weren't going to foot the bill anymore because <laughs> of all the treatment centers. They're like, you're just going to have to get it. And thankfully, I got it. I came home. I started working the 12-step program. I'm not an advocate of a 12-step program. Is it a stepping stone? Yes. Do I think that walking into those rooms every single day and declaring over yourself that you're an addict? No, ma'am. That is wrong. Did I know that in the beginning? No. I worked the steps, and they work, and they do work if you work them. However, when you tell me you don't want me to talk about God, you don't want me to talk about Jesus, are you serious? He's the only one that's going to release you from any of that. The 12 steps will bring relief. Jesus will release you. Break the chains, right? Right. So, yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) So, during this... um, I got out, but before that, I have this in my notes, and the Lord had me do this because sometimes I skip over stuff getting too ahead of myself, 
I've had several overdoses at several car accidents, like rollover car accidents where I fractured, fractured my pelvis in three places and I had to use this little walker thing to get around. Oh, and the Lord is wanting me to tell you exactly how bad it was so you know exactly where I came from and no matter what you've been through, no matter how bad you have had it, the grace of God can lift you up from that. It can empower you to walk. I mean, look at me. I'm standing here today where Dr. Savelle and Mama Savelle preached because of the grace of God, because I was willing to draw a line in the sand, because I wasn't always willing and I didn't always know and I needed somebody to teach me. Thank you, Lord, for Trey. Thank you, Lord, for a good man, right? I mean, the whole idea of, oh, I'm a woman and I can do it by myself. Are you kidding me? Like, Jesus is a man. Do you realize that, right? I mean, like, in the human form. So, I mean, just get a hold of that, right? So, um... I came home, I'm working the program, I'm doing good, right? I get this great job and I'm thinking, thank you, Lord, like I've got a good job. Because it was starting to get kind of hard to get a good job because people would run background checks on you. And then, and then it just keeps rolling and you're like, but I don't look like that, right? And sometimes that worked. And at this job it worked, but there's a reason it worked at this job. I worked this job for about 18 months and it was a closed door pharmacy. Um, here is a recovered, well, at that moment, these were my thoughts. Okay, I'm a recovering addict, and I'm working with all these pills, and I had no desire to use those pills. I had no desire. I mean, God was really doing the work on the inside of me. The feds come in. Um, it was something out of a movie. Like, I could see people started following us, and I could see the drugs were coming in one way, but they were going out a different way. The doctors were from Puerto Rico, and I'm thinking... Okay, because I used to run the streets, so I know what it looks like. But I also know that you don't tell. That, that doesn't go well. So, like, by loyalty, I've always been a loyal person, but it was displaced loyalty. Um, feds come in. We all go to prison. Well, we all go to jail. I end up going to federal prison. I'm going anyway because I already have a criminal background. So it puts you in a different point category with the feds. And so that, you know, they tried to get me to tell and all of a sudden I'm like, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, I didn't know that the DEA licenses were fake. I knew all this other stuff was wrong, but I'm not telling that ain't none of my business. I'm just getting paid, right? <laughs> yes. With a 22 month sentence, I uh, was sentenced eight months pregnant with this one. And I remember thinking, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Like, really? So I'm in a relationship with her father. I cannot stand him. It's one of those things where... No, even at the time, it was one of those relationships because you live the life I live and you use other people to make you feel better about yourself, right? Or you get in these relationships and you're like, oh, and then the next day you're like, oh. Well, it was one of those where you fall in love on the first date, the second date's in a U-Haul, and the third date you're like, what have I done? It was one of those things. <laughs> Seriously. And so I, I'm pregnant and I'm really thinking, how did this happen? Because it was one of those relationships where it, it was horrible, like osmosis. I know that's not really how it worked, but that's how it felt like I got pregnant, you know? And so here I am. <laughs> I mean, it was really that bad. I'm not kidding. So here I am, eight months pregnant, you know, and he's like, oh, we'll get married. No, 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 no. I mean, like that's the only thing I have not messed up. I'm not doing that. So, so I'm staying in there eight months pregnant. The judge sentences me to 22 months. I'll give you two months with your baby. Oh, thanks. Um, but, you know, sometimes they don't do that. They do sentence women who have their babies in prison. And I was in prison with a lot of those women 
who had to have their babies in the prison system and tell them what to do with their babies. It's not pretty. A woman's prison is very sad and lonely. Um, While I was standing there holding my baby, fixing to enter prison, I'm thinking, all right, God, what are you doing? Like, what is going on? And very, I remember hearing, like, I didn't do this. This is the consequences to a lifestyle that you lived. But I will give you the grace to walk through this. And he started talking to me the whole time I was in prison. Yes, everybody finds Jesus when they're in jail. No, I really did. I was really hungry. I really started growing. I really started changing. These sweet little old ladies would bring in the Bible study, and it was Beth Moore. And I know that there's more to the word than Beth Moore, but when you're first starting out, that's great. And she's a great Bible teacher. And so I know better than to judge a person's assignment, because her assignment is to teach the word, the Bible. And she does a very good job of that. Is there more to the word than just that? You better believe there is, but it's a good stepping stone. These little sweet ladies brought it in, doing the Bible studies. Every class I could be in to be a better mom, to be learn about Jesus, that's where I was at. I got out of prison, and I go home, and my baby favors my mom more than she favors me. And I'm like, okay, so this isn't going to work because that's my baby. And so then the guilt and the shame started coming I started going to this church and I was drawn to this church because of the worship. And I don't even really remember any of the sermons. I know sometimes Trey was like, okay, that's not true. And then it got to the point after I met Trey, he's like, we're done with that church. And we started coming here, but don't let me get too far ahead of myself. So I'm out, I'm trying to learn how to be a mom because I left a two month old baby and I come home to a 22 month old baby. That doesn't really know me. She knows me because my mom brought her to me every weekend, but she doesn't know me as mom. She knows me as, oh, that lady, right? So the shame and the guilt, well, and I want you to see here, and it reminds me of the madman in Gadara. Before they got to the shore, what about the storm? The storm that tried to take them out from getting to the madman, right? And, and they were so focused on the storm. It's like it's the storm tried to stop them from preaching the word to a man who got set free, who went into the city and got the whole city saved and went on fire for Jesus. So keep that in mind. I got out of prison, shame, guilt. I can't explain to you the pressure. And I mean, y'all know how the enemy works with your thoughts, right? Okay. So I thought drinking again would be a really good idea. That was not so good for me, but I did. I started drinking again and it got really bad. And I have never experienced the pressure and the mental anguish that I did. Cause I mean, I've used drugs and drank alcohol my whole life. That's what I did. But this was so much more intense. And do you know why it was more intense? Trying to stop me from becoming who I was or who my destiny it was trying to stop me from my destiny. So the battle you're going through is not just about the battle. It's not just about right then. It's about who you're called to. It's about where you're going. It's about, do you see what I'm saying here? Right. Eventually I stopped drinking. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I, was driving. It was one of those Holy Ghost moments, not even knowing really the Holy Ghost yet. Chloe's in the back seat and the Holy, and she said, like, I missed the turn to go home. And she's like, what are you doing? And the Holy Ghost on the inside of me, I heard within my spirit, what are you doing? Do you want to go back to prison? And I was like, I mean, instantly I was sobered up and I was like, no, no, I don't. (laughs) And from that moment on, But please hear me. Even though I was drinking, I was still in my church. I was still going to church. I was still trying. But it was like, um, I have it written down here because I knew that I would 
So Paul says in Romans 17, 15, for I do not understand my own actions. I'm bewildered. I do not practice or accomplish what I wish, but I do the very thing which I hate. It goes on to say that it's no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. I mean, when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's not wanting to do it, but doing it, not wanting to do it, but do it, but not knowing the words, stop it. Not knowing the, not having my mind renewed to the word of God to know that I have power. I have dominion and authority. I can use my words. I can resist. I didn't know any of that. Um, so I started going to this church, um, and I started volunteering in this church and I became a member of this church and I started, I joined this women's Bible study. I eventually took over the women's Bible study and started having it in my house that my mama helped me buy a cute little house. It was nice. Um, And I started taking over this Bible study and I started like not even knowing, just not even knowing enough of the words. Still, it was a non-denominational church, but I didn't have the understanding. But just going with, okay, this is where the Lord's taking me. This is where the Lord's taking me. And this is what I was doing. And then I met Trey. Thank you, Lord, for a good man. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for a man that loves the Lord. And I went on my first date with Trey and I was like, oh, like he's a cowboy because that's really what I wanted. I didn't realize that all that came along with a real cowboy, like the horses in the dirt. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, So we got married. um, But Trey, before we got married, he started talking to me. On the second date, I told him, hey, look, I got to tell you everything about me. And if you don't want to be with me, I completely understand. I mean, because that's a lot, right? Because he was in the ministry, but I didn't know really what that meant. Like, you're in the ministry. Okay, great. But I remember the first time I heard him preach, and I was like, whoa, that's something I've never heard before. Like, the fire and the love and the passion that comes out of that man, you're just like, whew, you feel changed, right? Yeah, so he started talking to me and telling me how to resist the devil, how to open my mouth and talk back, how to pull down wrong thoughts, how to put up right thoughts, how to renew my mind, how to do it every single day, just not on some days, every single day, how to get up and start the morning with God, how to pull down everything that the devil has tried to talk you into, talk you out of, how to talk back. It works. I mean, I know that this is a faith church, but some of you, I don't really know your faces. So if you don't know that it really works, I'm testimony to you that it really works. And that no matter how far down deep that you think you are, God's grace can pull you back up. Right? Yes. Yes. So Trey introduced me to the Holy Ghost in August. So when we first met, I had no idea what being filled with the Holy Spirit meant. No idea. No idea of the power and the fire on the inside that comes for that. So Trey being a cowboy, and we met, then he was gone for two months doing the rodeo, actually three months. So we just talked on the phone, got filled with the Holy Ghost in August. Things changed. Things changed. I mean, like everything changed. Like he was gone, but I still had that fire on the inside of me when the enemy's trying to bombard me. Oh, you need a drink. Oh, you know, you're pretty shameful. Hey, you know, remember what you did? Remember this? Remember that? And it's like, shut up. Like, you're stupid. Like, I'm not bonded anymore. Like, this is who I am. I'm royal by blood. I've been delivered. I've been redeemed. I've been set free, right? I mean, these are the things that you have to open up and talk back. Because if the devil's not going to try to talk you out of it, you know who will? Oh, your family members that don't believe in you, right? That are like, that's not really you, and you're just being fake. Um, Okay, you just keep watching, because I'm going this way, and you're going to see a changed person, right? I mean, they don't have to believe in you. I mean, Jesus is own people in his hometown. They didn't believe in him, right? Right. Not that I'm Jesus, but he's in me. So, yeah. 
so me and Trey got married, and the morning I woke up to get married to Trey, there was blood on my pillow, and I'm thinking, are you kidding me? And I had this, these earaches, um, and I've never had an earache before. Woke up that morning, blood on my pillow, and Trey was like, it's prophetic, because now you're going to hear on levels that you've never heard before. And you're going to understand on levels that you've never understood before. And I'm thinking, okay, whatever that means. Okay, great. Yes, hallelujah, let's go. Not knowing the depth to which that really meant. And he tried to prepare me the best he could for ministry. Um, and there's no really way to prepare a person, especially on the level that Trey's at, until you just walk in it. You just have to walk in it. And then you're like, bless the Lord. Um, it's not always fun. It's very hard. Um, and I didn't know who I was. And when I got married to Trey, I remember thinking, okay, what are people going to think when they find out about me? So I'm just going to sit over here and I'll just be cute on the bench. And you go pray and you go preach and I'll be your cheerleader. Um, yeah, the Lord said, yeah, right, sister. <laughs> All that I've done in you. Um, it took me two years before the Lord got me to a place in Colorado at a women's conference where he told me, how he saw me. And the vision he gave me was a Roman soldier, full body armor, but it had a ponytail out the side with a bow in it. <laughs> but that's how I knew it was me because I'm very girly. Like Trey married me because I love Jesus, not because I'm a cowgirl. I don't ride very well. I look like this, you know, bouncing around. I don't like the dirt. I carry wipies. I'm not kidding. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, now, can I drive that rig and that long trailer? I sure can. I'm a good driver. Now, I don't want to back it up. And I don't like to cross traffic. But I can drive straight. <laughs> Not kidding. Yes. And I can drive for hours. So, I mean, that's really good. You know, when you drive 20 hours in one day, it's great. So, we're stepping into ministry together. And the Lord's like, I want you to go tell people what I've done in your life. No. I don't think so. I don't really want to do that. And the Lord said, No. You go tell people what I've done in your life. I don't think you remember like everything that I've gone through. Not going to do it. How many times do we argue with God? I, I don't. I don't really want to do it, Lord. I think you got the wrong person. Did I really hear from God? I don't think so. Do this? Mm, nah. Yeah. Um, before the moment before me and Trey got married, we were on the phone. It was in September. And Trey was talking to me about my purpose. He's like, what is your purpose? And the, whole, the whole time Trey's known, the Lord revealed to him who I was, what my calling was, how the Lord saw me. And Trey never told anything to me until the Lord revealed it to me first. And he's, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what my calling is. Like, I know that I'm called to people. Like, when I got clean, I wanted to be an LCDC, which is a licensed chemical dependency counselor, right? Um, but in that whole federal mess, I had to quit going to school. And... So I knew I was called to people and I knew I had a heart for people, but I didn't know. The moment I hung up from Trey on that phone call, my Aunt Brenda texted me and was like, I want you to come to our Mending Fences group here in San Angelo and I want you to tell them what God's done in your life. No, I'm not kidding. Like I was on the phone with Trey, hung up and my Aunt Brenda texted me. Like we're talking about what is your purpose? What does God want you to do? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he can't use me because of my past. And that moment, God told me. And from that point forward, it's been, okay, I'll be obedient, kind of. <laughs> and then the Lord gave me that vision of myself in that Roman full-body armor. And that's how I see myself. And he keeps giving me different glimpses of how he sees me. And the more my faith grows, the more my understanding grows. Um, he's given me the vision 
One morning I woke up, woke up and it was, it was a breastplate. It was a pretty breastplate. It was a girly breastplate. And I had on this pretty white dress and my hair was pretty. And it really wasn't, I couldn't see my face, but I knew my hair was pretty. But it was about a, bless, a breastplate of righteousness. And it took me on a journey to understand who I was in Christ and that the old was gone and that the new has come. And no matter what I did and no matter where I had been, that I stepped in to being a new creature created in Christ. Did you know that we're the only creatures that get two births? We get a natural birth and we get a spiritual birth. And that spiritual birth gets us into heaven. But there's so much more to salvation than just going to heaven. And we know that in this church. We know that there's healing. We know that there's prosperity. We know there's dominion. We know there's authority, right? It's not teached everywhere. And the world lives defeated. They live beat up. They live defeated. They live sad, sick, sorry, right? Have no idea who who they are. So I'm understanding this. Have y'all seen, I know y'all have, the captain, the, the, the Wonder Woman. Isn't it Wonder, not Wonder Woman, it is Wonder Woman. Yes, that movie just spoke to me. And I am not a superhero kind of woman, uh, girl. I mean, I like to, I watch it because the older two kids like it, but I'm like, ah. That movie spoke to me and it had a lot of fire on the inside of me because I was going through a battle where the devil was trying to talk me out of who I was. And thank the Lord I have Trey in there speaking the word over me every single day, making my spirit man be stronger than my flesh because I had lived in my flesh for 33 years. That's all I knew. And so my spirit man needed the word of God sent directly into it to rise it up, right? And there's a scene in this movie where, you know, she's kicking tail and she's doing all of this. And then there's... and. That's like, you know, punching the devil in the face and kicking him in the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then there's a scene where she's bunkered down and she's got her shield and they're like, you know, the bullets. And that's where I was in my life at that time with the devil trying to talk me out of who I was and tell me all the things from my past. And sometimes, especially being in this field of ministry, I don't really know. Um, I know that Dr. Savelle and Mama Savelle, they're trailblazers. They're generals in the faith. They go out and they plow up hard ground. And being attached to this church and under that same anointing, because that's what Trey's called to do. Trey's called to go out and plow up ground. And I'm standing in this office in this position today because of Trey, because of Pastor Justin. One day we came here and he laid hands on me and he's telling me all these things that I'm thinking. And he was telling me and he knew and he even said I was in the shower and I was when I'm talking to God. And I'm like, how does he know that when we left here? Because I'd never experienced that before. And I'm like, how does he know that? And Trey started talking to me about all of the prophet, the, the um, gifts. Thank you. <laughs> the gifts of the spirit. And I'm like, Wow. Okay, so right before me and Trey got married, do y'all know Oop? Have y'all heard the story of Oop when Dr. Savelle first started out in Andrews, Texas? He was in Andrews, Texas, and he's in this makeshift laundry room, and he's trying to set up shop to preach because the people that he went to preach for wouldn't let him preach because he's a word of faith preacher. This guy walks in with overalls off his tractor, you know, pulls out money from his pocket, drops it on Dr. Savelle's feet, and says, the Lord told me to give you this money. And... Dr. Svell had been believing for an airplane at that time. Dropped it on his feet, just pockets, loads of money. And Dr. Svell said, okay, are you going to stay and listen? Nope, I'm going back to my tractor. And he went back on. This man, oop. When I was in Andrews right before, because my husband's from Andrews, right before I was to get married to Trey, he walked into this restaurant. Trey was like, oh, here comes the prophet. And I was like, 
still not really fully understanding the offices. And I was like, okay, he makes a beeline for me. Like nobody else is in the room, makes a beeline for me, pulls me out of the chair. He's shaking my hand and he just starts talking to me. I was in prison with you. I was in jail with you. And I'm thinking, hmm, Trey's family's here and they don't really know yet. And I'm like, uh, you got the wrong person. Gotta go. And I'm trying to get away from him. And he's like, and he just kept speaking. And there was no way he knew that. And other than by the spirit of God, I ended up leaving, coming back to this man. I'm like, we got to go back after Trey's parents left. Like he's got a word for me. I just knew in my heart that he had a word for me. We go back, he lays hands on me and he starts just speaking God's word over me and declaring over my life that I would be in a place like this, that I would be speaking to women, that I would be breaking chains, that I would be giving hope, that I would be showing the love of God, the love that he has for me, that he has for you, that I would have lots of spiritual babies, lots of spiritual babies. And here I am starting to just on the tip of it, starting to walk it out. And I'm talking to God and I'm like, okay. And then God dropped in my heart, this, the Samaritan woman at the well. I'm like, okay, like, how does this relate to me? Are you serious? Uh, like a life full of shame, a life full of guilt, a life full of uh, not good enough, unnamed, unseen, unclean, unworthy. I mean, can, do you want me to keep going or do you get it right? So like the woman, she's at the well and what does she do at first? She argues with Jesus. Like you're asking me? me for some water? Like, are you serious? Do you know who I am? Like, I know who you are, but not really knowing who he was, but because he was a Jew, he was better than her anyway. How many times have, as us as women or coming from a damaged past, do you feel less than walking into a room of believers because, oh, bless the Lord. What if they find out about what I've done? Right. The whole time, the people that are trying to pass judgment on them were in the bar last night doing the same thing. Right. Right. Okay. So this woman's trying to argue with Jesus and he's like, Okay, sister, just give me some water. Well, what? You know, okay, I'll give you some water. No everlasting living water that's going to like change and transform her. So she's talking to him. And then she starts talking to him about worship. She wants to know about true worship. Like, are we going to worship over here? Are we going to worship over here? Jesus is like, oh, no, no. The day's coming where you're going to worship me in here. True worshipers. And that is where freedom really started for me was in the presence of the Lord, in the worship, in people anointed worship. I mean, it is powerful. It brings you to the presence of the Lord. It softens your heart to receive the actual word from God. That's going to change everything in your life. If you apply it, you've got to apply it. Every time we fall, every time we miss it, every time we mess up, what did I keep doing? I kept getting back up. I kept going forward. It was not always easy. It was not always easy, but you have to keep going. Or you can be a loser, and I refuse to be a loser. Like, that doesn't even compute in my head to give up and to lose. Like, I don't even know what that means. I know what it looks like because I see it on other people, but I refuse that in my life. To give up, to quit, to lay down, to not fight. Are you serious? No. We're victorious through Christ. He strengthens us every single day. His graces and His mercies are new every day. Thank you, Jesus, that it's new every single day. I mean, hello, like I needed it every single day, <laughs> pulling me up out of the depths of hell, right? Yeah. Right. So the story of the woman at the well teaches us that God loves us in spite of our bankrupt lives. God values us enough to actively seek us, actively seek us, to welcome us to intimacy, to rejoice in our worship. 
He rejoices in our worship. Like, thank you, Lord. Like, I praise you, Father. I mean, seriously. Right? As a result of Jesus' conversation with this lady, as a result of Jesus' conversation with us, as a result of Jesus reaching out to you over and over and over again in spite of everything you've ever done, we can be an outcast. We can be unwanted. We can be uncared for. We can see no value in ourselves, but Jesus sees the value in you. Jesus cares for you. Just the way he cares for me, he cares for you. Is he any respecter of person? Does he love us all? Does he want us all? But it's not just about us, right? It's not just about us. It is about the other people that you're attached to. Because when you die and you go to heaven and you're standing before the Lord, you are going to be held accountable for everything that you did, everything you didn't do, the people you were called to, the people that you reached, and the people that you didn't reach. Are you going to live scared and afraid to step out of the boat and to walk on water and to do what seems impossible that only God can empower you to do? Because what if they say something ugly about me? Like, what if they really know who I am? Tell them who you really are. Tell them what God has done in your life. The very thing that I don't want to stand before people and tell people about is the very thing that Jesus has planted his feet right in the middle of and said, you tell them what I did in your life. You tell them how much I love them. You tell them that no matter what they did, how far they've gone, how dirty they may think they are, I can clean them up. I can make them new again. I can give them a new life. I can restore them. Right? What is the thing about restoration? It's a process, but you know what? God makes it better than it was before. God's definition of restoration is better than what it was before. Ten times better than what it's for. Look at my life now. Do you think that I feel like I deserve this? No, I'm still like, oh my gosh, but thank you, Jesus, for mercy and for grace and for restoration. Right? It can take the most dirtiest, most unloved, most unwanted person. It can restore them, rebuild them, rename them. We get a new name, right? And I really did. Like, I married Trey, and I stepped into something I had no idea, but it was a new name. And for the longest time, when we would go places, I was Trey's wife. Just Trey's wife. I'm like, okay, like, I have a name. It's Heather. And the Lord spoke to me, like, no, right now, you're just Trey's wife. You embrace the grace to run your race. You figure out who you are. But right now, you're just Trey's wife. Soon... You can be Heather Johnson, Trey's wife. To run now, you're Trey's wife. And that whole grooming period, um, growing period, renewing period, tearing away period, it was painful. Yes, it was hard. And I, I just want to just say these few things because I have them wrote down. So sin will harden your heart, but grace will soften your heart. Grace will transform a sinner. Grace is a teacher. In Titus 2.11, it tells us, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Pastor Justin so had my number on Wednesday nights. If y'all are missing Wednesday nights, let me tell you, don't. Go on the internet, on YouTube, listen to the services. There's a difference between being a disciple and being a believer. There's a day where you draw the sand in the line and say, I go after Jesus with all I got. What does that mean? That means 
that you do the word. That means you don't say one thing and live another. Don't be in the world and live just like the world. How are people going to know you're different? You're saying you're a Christian. You're saying you believe in Jesus. You say that you live for Jesus, but you're smoking and you're drinking and you're cussing and you're sleeping around and you're going to the bar. Um, what? <laughs> That's not what Jesus does. That's not how God is because you're created in the image and likeness of God. The image and likeness of God does not drink, does not cuss, does not smoke, does not sleep around. Hello? Okay, just in case, I know some of you might not like that, but it'll be okay. (laughs) Right? So grace will transform your heart. It is grace that leads people to the true repentance and inward heart transformation that needs to take place. Right? Right. When God's grace impacts a person, repentance, holiness, and godliness will surely follow. Don't get the grace message twisted. It is not an empowerment to sin. It is an empowerment to live out God's perfect plan for your life. And when we tell our kids they can be anything they want to be, that's not true. That is not true. God's grace for their life is to figure out who God created them to be. And that's where the empowerment is going to come from. When you are figuring out who you are in Christ, what God's made you to be, what God created you for, that's when you're walking in all that God has for you. When you're doing something and it's so hard and you're like, please understand what I'm saying here. Where you're outside of the will of God, there will not be a grace on your life. Everything will be hard. Everything will be heavy. Everything will be sad. Everything will be horrible. When Inside the grace of God, things will not always be easy because you will have trials. You will have tribulation, but the light, the yoke is light, right? Yes. There's a difference. You've got to know when you're in the grace of God, you're going after God. You're going after God, living like God for everything that he wants for your life. Not what you want. I can't be a singer. I can't be like Cassie. I'm not graced to be like Cassie. I'm graced to be like Heather. Stop comparing yourselves to other people's walk, to other people's lives, right? That will make you sad. It will make you unfulfilled. God didn't create you to compare yourself. He created you to empower each other, to live for him, right? Right. God will empower you through his spirit to accomplish all things he's called you to do, right? And I kept hearing this the whole time. Embrace my race. Embrace my grace to run your race. Your race. Not mine, not hers, not hers. Your race. Right? Did y'all receive something out of the word today? I just went. Um, Trey has taught me never to close a service without giving a salvation prayer. So that's what I'm going to do. I would assume, but I don't want to assume. So everybody can close their eyes and bow their heads, please. And I want you to go inward and think of the moment, the day that you made Jesus the Lord of your life. If it was at a women's conference, if it was in a barn, if any of you do barns, I don't really know. Wherever it may be, in a church service, do you recall the day that you gave your life to the Lord? If not, I'm going to ask you to make today that day. Because there's only one way to heaven. It's through Jesus. It's through declaring his lordship over your life. So together, I want us to pray this prayer. Say, Father God, today is the day that I make the decision to believe in my heart, to declare with my mouth, Jesus, you are my Lord. You, God, you raised Jesus from the dead. And I believe in that resurrection power. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. 
I receive your forgiveness. I know that I'm forgiven. And it's settled. I'm going forward. Declaring you as Jesus. As Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, did any of you... Could everybody close their eyes and bow their head. I know y'all have probably already all saved, but just in case there's one person in here who hasn't made Jesus the Lord of my life, on the count of three, I'd like for you to raise your hand. Everybody's eyes are closed, their eyes are closed, they're bowed, heads. One, two, three. Any takers? We're all takers. Thank you, Lord. We're all going to heaven. Ha <laughs> ha. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray over you and just sow the word into your heart, okay? So we can all just bow our heads again. Yes, thank you, Lord, for your word today. We thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. Holy Spirit, I ask that you recall this word to these women when the devil starts attacking their minds, trying to talk them out of who they are in you. Holy Spirit, you remind them who they are, that they are royal by blood, that they are princesses, that they are warriors, that they are overcomers, that they are heads and not the tails, that you are their shield. You go before them. You prepare a way. They abide under the wings of the Almighty. They are women of faith. They are warriors. They stand up. They are lights. I thank you, Father, for the love of God in us, working through us, that when we go out, people see us, and they know there's something different about us, Father. We draw them to us to point them to you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your restoration power working in our lives. Father, I sow this word into their hearts. I thank you, Father. I thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. We call you faithful, Father. We call you faithful to watch over your word to perform it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.